Welcome to Cooper Talk presented by Walk My Mind. Bring your body, bring your mind. This is Walk My Mind, a holistic approach to wellness that connects the dots of physical, mental, and emotional health. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm your host. I'm only as hip as my guest. And uh, we, have, we have a great guest today. I've actually had the pleasure of hanging out with him uh, in a bar one afternoon before I moved out of L.A. And he's a great actor, a great musician. And he's a Houston Astros fan who are in Philadelphia right now. My guest is Todd Lowe. How you doing, Todd? I'm doing well. Uh, how did the Astros do yesterday? I haven't checked. They, in the last two games, they have outscored the Phillies 18-4. to They won 13-4 to and 5-0. And uh, what's it like for you as a fan for a team, I mean, I'm a big sports fan, for a team that's just turned around? I mean, you know, you had to be disgruntled for a while. What's it like now? You must be riding a high horse. Well, I'm mainly a basketball fan, but I'm a Houston loyalist, and I, I keep a casual eye, but the baseball season is so long, it's hard to follow every game. Uh, I know, do know that uh, I think Correa and George Springer are on the DL right now, and they're still winning games with the offense from Jose Altuve, who I think is probably going to get AL MVP over that big guy from the Yankees. Um, but it's very exciting. Houston has never really had any professional franchises or uh, champion franchises other than the Houston Rockets for two years in the early 90s. Um, but, yeah, it's exciting. The last time I was in Houston, I went down there for a convention, like a sci-fi convention thing, and stayed right near Minute Maid Park. And it has really revitalized that downtown area. Uh, I got Astros caps, and, uh, yeah, I keep a casual eye. I usually check it in the morning, but I didn't check it this morning. Now, you grew up in Texas. Now, you know, you're a musician, you're an actor. Were you an athlete also as a kid? Were you athletic? I was on the swim team and on a B team of basketball. I did football in middle school, but I wasn't. I was small, but I was slow. So it really wasn't my calling. Uh, I did swim team, but mainly uh, drama, theater, that kind of stuff. Now, did you start off with drama first, or music, or or and what year? What age did you start? What age did you know you wanted to pursue acting or music? Because I know you also are in a band. What what? How did this come about? I started doing plays in middle school, and I found out that like for a history project, you could do a skit and just write your own thing, and that would count instead of having to write a an essay or a paper. So I did like skits for history class. Anytime there's a project in school, I would get some friends together who wanted to perform and make a, you know, we called them skits at the time. And then in high school, I mean, like a lot of people, I did it to be social, meet girls. Uh, I got into drama and got cast in the high school plays. And then I, um, I went to the University of Texas at Austin and I went as an engineering major and I got a D in calculus my first semester. And I lied to my parents, had the report cards shifted over to my dorm room, and switched to uh, the theater department so I could take the good acting classes, the acting classes for majors. And so I did that, and I got a scholarship, and finally revealed to my folks that, uh, no, I switched my major. I ain't, being, I ain't gonna be an engineer. What did you love about acting so much when you were younger? What really draw, drew you to it? Like, was it just something once you got on stage, you said, this is where I need to be? Well, there's, it's so intoxicating to get a laugh on stage. And then once you, once you get that and you get that bug, uh, that's the intoxicant that, for me at least, it kind of kept drawing me back to it. And I got some accolades and won a couple like little awards in austin and 
that kind of validated the choice I had made, so I kind of stuck with it. Now, you graduate in what year? Uh, I should have graduated in 94, but since I, since I shifted my major, I graduated in 95. So now you graduate in 95. Now, what are your plans after graduation? I started a little postgraduate theater company with a bunch of friends doing what we thought at the time was experimental kind of stuff. I worked at a comedy club in Austin called Esther's Follies. I, uh, I had a children's theater. I would do like Grimm's Brother fairy tales. I worked a lot in museum education. That's what I did for a job, and was able to put on plays for kids. And then my girlfriend at the time got accepted into grad school at USC out here in Los Angeles. And I had gotten a couple little credits in Texas. I'd done Walker, Texas Ranger a couple of times when that was being cast out of Dallas, they'd cast locally. So I had that and I was, I qualified for a SAG card. So I just took a leap of faith, moved out here with my girl at the time. We didn't last long. She got rid of me pretty quick. <laughs> and, uh, so I hopped around, I couch surfed, and uh, short everything short of street hustling, I did that. And finally, some acting work started to come. I got a job on Gilmore Girls, and I thought it was only going to be one episode, and it turned into about 40 or 50. How did that, and, how did that affect you? Just for the fact that, you know, as I said, you, you're, you're working around, you're, you're getting small parts before. How did it go from what's supposed to be one role to one, I mean, one day to so many, and that had to change your life because you know I know well you know Rose Abdo she was in a Gilmore Girl she played Gypsy and, sure. and yeah. it's just the fans I mean her husband told me the fans are like insane I mean a good insane but how did it turn I mean when you went in how does it how does it affect an actor when you go in there and you think it's going to be one one gig I mean did they just keep saying hey we want to have you come back we want to have you come back I mean how did that whole thing happen. Well, for me, it's always just about been about just personal validation. The fact that they actually want to see me again and they like what I'm doing and they learn my voice and start writing for me. I mean, that really affects your confidence. I mean, it, uh, at least me as an actor, I get filled with a little self-doubt. I think a lot of people do, whatever your profession is. But when people like what you're doing, you start to walk with your head a little higher and it carries itself into other auditions. Um, so, yeah, I can just say mainly it's just the validation. Uh, hey, I didn't make a bad choice by moving out to Los Angeles. My the face, uh, the camera seems to like my face just enough to keep me steadily employed. I ain't a star, but uh, I move from job to job pretty regularly. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go back to that word validation. It just it feels good. Now, with the Gilmore Girls... I mean, did they just call you and say, hey, man, uh, we want you to come back on today? We want. I mean, did they tell you, were you a series regular? Or what's the process that happens for an actor when you start getting recurring? Uh, I didn't get booked. as I wasn't a series regular on that. I was what's called a recurring character. Um, but a couple weeks later, my agent calls and says, hey, pencil in this date, this date, this date, and this date. They want you for five more episodes. And it's a big woohoo moment. And um, so then it's like, yeah, however much they want to use me, I'm there. And then you're going, I've got a couple pilots during that time that didn't go anywhere. Uh, I think I 
even though I could have been a regular on one of those pilots, the writing wasn't as good as Gilmore Girls. And uh, I'm really proud to have been on that show. And like you were saying, the, the fans are very fervent. They got a got a second wind when they started airing it on Netflix. In the, I call them the aughts, the 2000s. Uh, I thought it was very specific to that period because it's got a lot of pop culture references. They were talking about Sonic Youth and the Shins and bands like that. But a whole new generation of, of young people discovered it once they got on Netflix, and they know it just as much as their mothers. And I think there's that bonding with the mother-daughter dynamic in the show, and it's really had a lasting effect. Uh, I still get residual checks from it. Um, we did a reboot of it for Netflix. I go to conventions. No, you're right, but now, now also when the came, show came out, you probably started getting recognized too, which that must be something different. I mean, you know, we're not used to that. People aren't used to walking around after the Gilmore Girls. The people start saying, "Hey, hey, there he is!" Or I mean, how did that change for you? Well, I mean, the only time I have to put on a cap and a sunglasses is when I go to Six Flags or something. Uh, sometimes people see you out, and it's like, "Don't I know you from somewhere?" And it never got to a point to where it was uh, above flattery. It was always flattering just to get recognized say, well, yes, that is me. Uh, I'll take a picture or sign something if you need it. Now, as you're on that show, when you start going to more auditions, do you have more, not a, like more of a swagger going? Because, not a swagger, but you know that people are going to recognize you. And, you know, I know the girls from the Gilmore Girls, they, the couple went on to do bunheads and stuff like that. When you started going on auditions, did you feel like your stock changed a little bit? A little bit, and it's nice to know that you have work, even if you don't book this next audition. It's like, I still got something to go back to. So that certainly, it removes the desperation. It's like, I gotta go in here, I gotta pay my bills. Um, so yeah, it's nice to know that you have work to go to. I found that my best auditions is when I like have to work tomorrow, or I'm coming from something. Like, I'm talking to you, Coop, uh, today. I have an audition, kind of a big one at Paramount this afternoon. And me talking about myself is going to give me a little bit more confidence. I'm kind of an anxious person to begin with, but it's going to help stay that anxiety for a little bit because I can walk in with a little bit of a swagger. Now, now, can you talk about what the audition's for? I can't say that, but okay. uh, I'm very excited about it. Now, but I will transition. I will transition because I said swagger. And I was just on TV last night on this show, Shooter, on the USA Network. And the main character's name is Bob Lee Swagger. So I'm proud of that segue. If you so want to carry it into the next question. That, that's, that's a great segue. What I was going to say was, I was I, my girlfriend watches Shooter. And I was going to watch it last night. But she just started a new job. So she fell asleep. So we haven't recorded. But Because uh, I know she, she'll sit there. At, like last week we watched it. I said, hey, that's a guy I know. And, um, you know, how is, you know, that... That role, you know, the, the the scene you were running around last week uh, in the opening season. How do you do? You, do you have to get in shape for that? I mean, how many takes does that take when you're sitting there and you guys are had that big shootout in the uh, in the the banquet? I mean, what is that like when you're an actor in that kind of setup? Is it uh is it easy to act? I mean, how do you react to that? And are you worried that if you screw something up, they're going to reshoot the whole thing? It's new ground for me, man. I've never done much action. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm from Texas. I'm familiar with firearms. Uh, that part doesn't bother me. 
but having to actually act like we're going to get shot when we're not, uh, you do have to summon anything. I'm best at like giving a quippy one-liner, or maybe I can get real emotional in this thing. Uh, they hired me. They said um, Ryan Philippe's character, uh, Joe Bob, is very serious. We need somebody to bring a little levity, and you can ad lib all you want. There's, there's not much. The show is so action-driven. There's not much time for a bunch of dialogue. Uh, like Gilmore Girls, they were 100-page scripts for 44 minutes because it's just rapid-fire dialogue, and that's kind of my strength. Running around and ducking and jumping under tables is, is new to me. Um, but it's a lot of takes, a lot of different angles. Fortunately, most of that show is handheld, so they don't have to set up dolly tracks or cranes or anything for that. It's all, it's all handheld, so they move pretty quick, and they have two or three cameras at all times covering angles. But it takes, like, that whole intro to last week's show, I mean, that thing took, that's a good day and a half of filming to get about 45, 50 seconds. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was it was very impactful, but yeah, I'm thinking, man, they gotta, because I always think when something explodes or something, if you screw it up, you gotta go back and do it again, and it's just not like you can sit there and go, hey, let's just sit up, set up this ballroom, you know, you gotta put the tables back and stuff like yeah. that, I mean, it must be a lot of trailer time for you guys. Yeah, there's a big safety meeting before the big gag, they call them gags, when it's a, any kind of stunt. So every whole crew gathers, and the fight coordinator and everybody says, this is what's going to happen, this thing is going to explode, this uh, this guy's going to be squibbed, he's going to have gunshots in him, and let's try to do this once so we don't have to set the whole thing up, which is going to take another hour and a half. Let's try to get it on the first one. Um, and most of the time you do, but sometimes something goes wrong with either a performance or a technical issue, and you do well back to the trailer. Yeah. Now, now looking back at your career, I mean, you know, you go from the Gilmores, then you end up on True Blood. Was that a long audition process? Because you're you're in two back to back shows that have a huge following. What was the process of you auditioning for True Blood? And once again, was that something that you know would end up being in like sixty five episodes? Well, I had illegally obtained what they have a service called Breakdown Express which is supposed to go to agents and managers, and I'm not the only one that does it, so if I'm blowing a whistle, then all Hollywood's going down. But uh, <laughs> they have a service that says, these are the roles we're casting today or tomorrow, and it's for the agents, and I saw that, and I saw that it was Alan Ball, and I was a huge Six Feet Under fan, and it's set in the South, and I called my agent and said, get me in on something on this. And they had already shot the pilot, and then... They were casting for my character, Terry Belfleur, short order cook. And I got it, and then I went, and I, I Googled the character name, first of all, and I saw that he's in a, a buttload, excuse me, of the Sookie Stackhouse novels. And I said, well, damn, I, okay, let's do a good job with this. And I went in, and I think I just read once. I read for Alan and the casting directors, and then... Later that day, I got a call and said, they want you. And once again, that was supposed to be just a recurring role. And in the second season, they made me a series regular, and it kind of changed my life. Now, how did it change your life And the fact that you knew you were going to get this work? And did you know how long it was going to be on? Because that's what happens sometimes. Like, HBO has come through and canceled. Like, they canceled Bored to Death a few years ago, which had Galen 
Jason Schwartzman and Ted yeah. Danson. Great show. And then they canceled Vinyl. I can see why they may have canceled Vinyl because I think there's too many storylines going on in Vinyl. I didn't think they needed the whole murder scene. But did, did, did you have a true, uh, did they know how many, you know, the order would be for True uh, Blood? Or did you think because it's Alan Ball and, you know, it's going to be, they're going to let it go for a while? It was season to season, and we had a table read after the premiere of episode one of season two. And Alan said, look at these ratings that come in. We're a bona fide hit. Um, so, uh, and it, it kept going for a while. I mean, I'm not going to put any opinions on the quality of the show going up or down at the end, but you can read all about that. But for the first five or six seasons, um, the... Uh, yeah, we were kind of in the cultural zeitgeist. It coincided with Twilight. I don't know why vampires got so popular in the late 2000s, but they did. And, I mean, this was a quality show. There was a lot of skin. There was a lot of violence. There was humor. Um, there was drama. It, uh, it had everything, and it really kind of captured that moment. Uh, going back to what you asked me earlier, how did it change my life? Well, Certainly having my name at the top of the credits at the beginning of a hit show was very nice. Financially, it was very nice. And uh, just the cachet it gave me afterwards for being on a show. It's like, well, he may not have been good in this role, but he was great in that role. Or I thought I was pretty good in that role. And, um, yeah, it opened the door to conventions because it was kind of science fiction, or not science fiction, but horror-based so uh, there's another avenues for uh, income streams. And so, yeah, I can humbly say that it did very much change my life. Now, you must have gotten a whole different type of fan because, you know, you're right. Vampires became huge. You know, I mean, vampires are everywhere. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I like vampires. I'm not a huge vampire fan, but a lot of these vampire fans are... No offense to vampire fans out there, but you're what they think. They're overly vampire fans. They're, you know, yeah, yeah, walking around perfect. like, hey, yeah. you know, it's, it's nothing bad. It's what they do. But did, had, did you have any, any really weird fan experiences? Because I can imagine you must have just because there's got to be some people that just, you know, were all over the board and just going, oh, oh, my God, you know. Well, dude, I play in a country bar band. And, I mean, we're okay. We're pretty good. But it's not my main focus. But... Yeah, just playing at small little clubs around town and people showing up with plastic bags. That kind of weirdness. <laughs> uh, and that, well, yes, I, I don't, I'm not a vampire, but yeah, you can bite my neck for the selfie or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, there were those kind of fans. Now, why do you think the convention scene has blown up so big? Because it, it's amazing that, you know, now, I mean, I see so many people that are doing, I know so many people who do conventions and now they show up everywhere. What do you think it is? Is people want to, because of social media, people seem more in touch? Or I mean, why do you think the conventions have, have become so big? And what has your experiences been on the convention circuit? I don't feel that it's the purest, cleanest work for one's soul. I mean, we're there, yes, to interact with the fans, but we're also getting airfare in a nice hotel room and a chunk of change. Um... And you just, but you do get to meet people and people come up to you and they don't think of you as Todd the actor or 
maybe someone like William Shatner. I went to one where Shatner was at. Uh, that he's he's big enough where it's William Shatner, but they're coming to me calling me Terry. Uh, and well, I'll just play along. Uh, yes, I'll take your picture. They give you it's 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 dirty, Steve, because you. You want you say I can't take a selfie for free. That's why I'm here. I got to make this certain quota for the convention to know that inviting me is worth the while. So they give you a handler who's the bad guy. He said, "Yes, of course, he would love to take a selfie with you. It's twenty dollars." And so it just feels a little. And then I'll be at the bar afterwards, and there'll be fans. And then it's like, well, of course you can get a picture. And like that's where you can usually find me. Right. Or back in the days when I was drinking, I'm kind of off the sauce right now, but. Uh, you could find me at the restaurant or out in the alley having a cigarette or something. Um, and that's where you get true interaction with me, it should you care to. Um, it is it is funny about those conventions, because I went to one, my buddy had tickets, and I, I ran into Cato Kalin, and I know Cato. And if I see Cato, I see him at Burbank all the time when I live there, you get a picture with him. And I'm just laughing, going, like you're saying, hey, just see the guy at a bar, you're getting a selfie for free. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now uh, you said you have a band. When did you when did you start playing music, and and uh, how'd you pick your genre for what you like to type, like what you like to play? Oh, I got a guitar in high school just because it was I had a little bit of extra money uh, from just jobs I was working, and I had friends that played it, and I wanted to play Beatles and REM and that kind of stuff, and then. You get to Austin, and then everybody's got a damn guitar, and I never got that good on it. And then I discovered kind of the old music of my parents, just the old country music from the 60s and 70s, and realized how much I enjoyed it and how much it was ingrained in me. And uh, it also is a little easier to play. You don't have to shred like Ingvay Malmsteen or something. Um, so I just kind of gravitated toward country, and I could kind of sing it half decently and um, so we just started little bands I would use it in our theater company we'd write little kind of punk rock musicals and uh, and then I mean I brought one with me to LA I booked that job on Gilmore Girls where I had to play a musician and had to arrange Clash songs and Pixie songs and made myself get a little bit better on the guitar and Oh, it just kind of stuck with me. And then I got a group of friends that are all from Texas, and we all kind of share the same musical aesthetic. And so we just started playing together. Now, when you go to book a gig, do they know that you're this TV star, or do they just think you're just in a band? Or does being on, you know, being on your shows that you've been on, which people will probably come out, even if they come out in fangs, does that help you get a little, some bookings? I, I try not to do that. I, I actually try to avoid that. Because, uh, let's be honest, I don't really want to go see Kevin Bacon's band. I love his movies, and I'm sure his band is awesome. But uh, it's not going to get me through the door. I'll go to the one next door where some no-names are playing, uh, and there'll be more room to move around, you know. So I specifically have not... But, I mean, like I said, I'm not the best. I mean, but, I don't know, some actor has a band that's like, yeah, I like you in that one role, but I don't really want to hear you sing about how sad your life is, because it's not that sad. Right. 
Now, how did Shooter come about? How did how did that audition come about? Uh, was that something that, once again, did you have to audition, or was it an offer? Because in your career, I mean, have you after True Blood have you gotten offers, or do you still have to audition? Like you have to audition mm-hmm. tomorrow, but it seems everybody. I mean, today it seems a lot of people audition right now, but do you ever get just get the straight to offer? Uh, Shooter was an offer. It's the first like thing that actually turned into something where they wanted me, and I actually had a meeting with the showrunner. And, I mean, it's still like an audition, but there's not much text on that show, so auditioning is not, is, you're not really going to get to shine. So I think he just was gauging me to find my essence, and he's a great guy. And this season, I mean, I, I, was, I, I wasn't what to expect. Like I said, I wasn't used to these action things. And I've watched the first two, and they're pretty damn good. I mean, it's not network television, but it's not premium cable. you still got to wait through commercials. Uh, but the action on that show is just fast, and it's unrelenting. And uh, it's got, I think its lead-in is professional wrestling. So it's got a lot of that adrenaline kind of crowd. And it jumps right into action ever. Uh, no, I'm, I'm happy to be working on it. Uh, it's been great. Yeah. How many yes, ep- it, was, it was an offer. How many episodes are you going to be on? Uh, I can't say. Okay, cool. Just, yeah. I want to. I, I, I like. I, I like to. You know. I like to know what's going on because you know I want to be hip. So my girlfriend yeah. thinks I'm cool. You know. <laughs> so uh, so you said you're a big Rockets fan. How are the Rockets looking this year? What do you think? What do you think is going on in the NBA? What do you, you think? Uh, you know. I mean, you're living in LA. People are going crazy about uh, Ball, but he played good in the rookie league. I mean, what do you what do you think your team needs to do to elevate? You know, Harden seems to disappear in the playoffs, just like Kershaw did with the Dodgers. What What are you guys going to do yeah. to get you to the next level? Because Golden State's so damn good. Well, I do respect. I had the privilege of uh, Daryl Morey, the GM of the Houston Rockets, the statistician. They call it Morey Ball. Actually, reached out to me on social media and said, "Hey, big Gilmore Girls and True Blood fan, thanks for your Rocket post." And I had a direct message like oh my god daryl wow like uh let me know if you need tickets to go see the clippers uh we'll be there in two days and it's like hell yes so i went and got to see a game with him uh, and got to talk to him and i was a little starstruck to pick his brain but i certainly enjoyed that game uh what i do respect that he's doing with signing chris paul he's not throwing in the talent saying we're going to wait out this warriors dynasty he's actually trying to compete and uh, I got to give them, they're chasing Carmelo Anthony. And I don't know how well he would fit the team, but he's, I mean, I trust what uh, Maury's doing. If they can somehow land Carmelo and keep their core players, uh, at least it'll be an exciting team. It'll be an exciting season. They'll get a lot of press coverage. They already get a lot of attention from, I'll go on about the Houston Rockets. I'm sorry you asked me. But they got a lot of attention in China. They're the most popular team over there because of Yao Ming and the short time that they had Jeremy Lin. They direct, drafted this 19-year-old, seven-foot-one kid, Zhao Qi. He's seven-foot-one, weighs about two fifteen, so he needs to put on a few LBs. But um, no, I'm excited about that franchise. Like I said, in Houston, it's the only one we ever had that that ever won a championship. So I've been a diehard fan for all my life. See, that's cool. I, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but right now, I mean, with the Sixers, you know, the Sixers are so bad. It's so exciting right now because the city's really a buzz because they have all these young guys. They have three X number ones. They just got J.J. Redick. And Everybody keeps getting injured. I know. Everyone, like, if, if you're a Sixers... Embiid and 
Oh, yeah. If, if you're a Sixers draft choice, basically we, we pick you, we pick you one, two, or three, and you hurt your foot. But it's uh, it's yeah. something that it's going to be cool. So now, now uh, when I w- w- was you would do that time, you were riding your bike. Do you do you still ride your bike a lot? Do you exercise? I mean, for your a physical role like shooter, you have to be an exercising type guy. I mean, how do you stay in shape? Because when you're going out, you don't know because you're across the board. You can be a funny guy. You can be a serious guy. You can be an action guy. How do you keep in shape? Because not knowing what kind of role you're going to get. Man, if I kept myself in shape, I'd get a lot more work. That's like my downfall. Uh, I uh, I don't stay in shape, and I'm watching shooters like ah, there's my belly. Uh, I look like an ex-marine, and then when we're there in the flashback stuff, we got enough gack on us to where you can't see it. I'm carrying a couple extra pounds, but uh, no, I, I don't keep in shape. I, I do it. I started I started making conscious effort to it uh, this year, and I'm getting older, and I keep the old heart healthy, and uh, I do ride a bicycle now and enjoy that and I just got back from the gym this morning because I wanted to I just walked on the treadmill for 45 minutes and then took a shower and a steam I feel better you never feel bad after you come back from the gym no matter how hard you go oh I know uh, yeah now what else, so, what else? Okay. I ain't an exercise guy yeah well, what else is coming up for you uh, I mean you have this audition but is there any other shows that you're booked on coming up that you can talk about or I mean are you still chasing the work no I got yeah I'm, I'm chasing the work man I'm uh, I'm a journeyman actor i don't get crazy office all the time but uh, and i'm also maturing into a different age bracket and i'm still kind of handle a still approach things kind of like a teenager and i'm in my 40s now and i but but now people in their 40s are different than our parents were or whatever uh but uh i'm trying to find this balance as i get a little older and my hair starts to fall out and get grayer um where I'm going to find my little niche as a character actor, and I'm still trying to iron that out. Where would you like? What would you like to see yourself in five years? What kind of roles playing? I mean, if they if you could say, "Hey, Todd, you're, it could be a series regular." What kind of roles? What kind of roles do you want to gravitate toward? More comedy, more meaty, more drama. I mean, what are you looking at? What do you want? I think I'm best with a kind of a southern perspective that comes natural to me uh i mean i would like to play a white collar guy i would like to play a lawyer i'd like to play a doctor uh i like to play a policeman it's not really white collar but uh now i I, for some reason i tend to get get getting cast in these military roles and i don't really have i have respect for the military but i don't have any military training (laughs) Uh, they didn't let me in they told me my pecker was too big and my feet were too flat <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I know you got an audition, so I'm, I'm glad we could take this time. What's your? How do people get in okay. touch? With you? What's What's your Twitter? I am Todd double underscore low or Todd double wait at Todd double underscore low. And you, you and a Google search will probably bring it up. And you tweet a lot. You're You're pretty active on the Twitter. Ah, I'm getting better. No, I look at you. I only got like 400 tweets, and I've been doing it for six years. But when I think of something funny. Usually it, it does all right, but I'm not weighing in on politics or doing right. that kind of stuff, uh, or not even sports, really. But you know, if I think of some uh, quirky little quip, I'll put it out there, or I'll push the show, and I'll look on if I'm getting buzzed and say, hey, great job, and I'll say thanks. Right. Kind of stuff. Cool, man. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. People, follow him. 
Follow me at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. You can listen to past episodes at coopertalk.net. I'm Steve Cooper for Walk My Mind. You guys have a great day.